Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network. Hello, welcome to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. And today we're going to talk a little bit about mixed martial arts, you know, the sort of thing that you always expect to hear when you tune into your legal podcasts. But my guest who's been on the show before is Jason Cruz, and he has a new book about MMA. But before we get into any of that, welcome back to the show. Well, it's great to be back, Joe. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And so before we start talking about what we're really talking about, you're coming to us live from Seattle. Live from Seattle. Yes, correct. So um, how are things going over there? Uh, It would be great if everyone could send their uh, hand sanitizers and toilet paper up to Seattle. It would be uh, it would be great. No, actually, it is a little concerning, to be honest with you. It's not a good good time if you remember the Dustin Hoffman movie Outbreak. Um, it's not a it's not one of those times to rent that movie. It's it, uh, people are very concerned here. Um, one of the things that uh, I, I alluded to is that uh, the stores here are starting to run out of things such as Uh-oh. toilet paper, uh, hand sanitizer, Purell, Zycam, Tylenol. Things like that. It's it's a little concerning. Um, I actually was in Portland yesterday for work, mm-hmm. and I was down there, and they are out of hand sanitizers as well. There is definitely concern about the coronavirus. What's the value of having Amazon right there if you can't get anything? I I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, I mean, they they did have a worker come up. Uh, positive for the coronavirus. So a, a lot of the people are working from home. I guess that's w- the one advantage of the amenity of uh, remote working is that everybody can just stay at home. Yeah, no, I actually, right before we started recording, I got a tip that the that UW was going to start closing uh, about this. So it's, people are taking precautions there. Now, meanwhile, here in New York, we've only had, we've had a few lawyers contract it and that has resulted in some precautions. We've got law firms canceling travel and law, uh, law school closing to, you know, because of somebody's contact closing for a few days. But we haven't gotten anything nearly as extreme as what's going on in Seattle yet. Yeah, hopefully n- nowhere else. I mean, it's, it's, it's a little yeah. concerning. As of today, I believe there are 70 cases confirmed in Seattle. And like uh, like you said, uh, the University of Washington is coming up with their own test kits, which um, might bring up the number, but let's, let's hope not. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully everything's going to turn out. Stay, you know, stay home, keep working from home. Uh, that's probably your best bet. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Everyone <Yeah>. stay home <laughs> and wash their hands, wash their hands. Right. Well, and that's what we've been doing here. Like it, it, I've never seen New Yorkers be as diligently in line for the, I mean, normally you, you're in line for a few minutes and then you realize that it's going to take forever and people give up and that is not happening. So that's a good sign for New Yorkers. <laughs> I would suspect. Normally there's more of a wash them quick and then just shake them and run sort of thing that I see in bathrooms. And I'm thankfully people are uh, doing the right thing. So yes, it should always be a a practice. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, But here we are. So anyway, well, before we get going, let's take a quick break to acknowledge our sponsor. Uh, So today's episode is brought to you by your 
pet alpaca who's very mad at you because you're stuck at the office doing an endless doc review project. Make better decisions, keep your pet, and work smarter with Logical, e-discovery software that gets you started in minutes. Don't let frustrating, outdated e-discovery make you sweater the small stuff. Create your free account today at logiccall.com forward slash ATL. That's logic with a K, C-U-L-L dot com forward slash A-T-L. So yeah, I've, um, since Jason, you've not been necessarily on these shows, I, I've been changing the animal and the pun in <laughs> the ad read every time, and I'm starting to get to a point where we're really stretched for pet, new pets for me to do. Oh, okay. So I... Last week, uh, I was dared to do alpaca, which I was not prepared for, and so I had to come up with something really on the fly here. I don't know as though it's my best work, but, you know, it, it made some sense. Yeah, you and, know, I've been to an yeah. alpaca farm before, but very lovely. Oh, okay. Oh, see, I should have talked to you about this first, and I might have come up with a better pun for it, but oh well. That's okay. Uh, yeah. So, Jason Cruz, it, it, obviously in Seattle, we've talked before in a previous episode, which you can go back and listen to... Uh, I believe we titled it into in, Step Inside the Octagon or something like that, which, where we were talking about the period when Conor McGregor was throwing beer cans at people. Now, though, Jason, you have a new book out, uh, Mixed Martial Arts and the Law, which covers a lot of the issues legally that have risen around this new sport that, I mean, new sports don't come along all that often, even though obviously martial arts is very old, the, the whole concept of the MMA just come, came out of nowhere. I mean, this is, a, this is something that when I was a kid just wasn't, wasn't on TV. Yeah, you know, it's, it's evolved right in front of us. And then it, uh, I think with the expansion of what sport is um, and the need for television content, it's just dramatically increased. And it's, I mean, this, this year alone, it, Actually, in 2019, it's grown exponentially with uh, the new ESPN deal that the UFC has forged. So you see highlights of MMA on SportsCenter, more mainstream things, and it's become just a part of the fabric of sports, something that you, you, you don't, it's not an oddity anymore. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of how it's come out of nowhere and that UFC deal. One of the subject matter, and your book goes through just basically every chapter is a different subject matter of the legal troubles that, or not troubles, but legal wrinkles that the sport has and is dealing with. So you bring up the UFC. One area that you raise in the book is antitrust and the issues going on with, you know, I mean, there is a UFC and we all know what that is. And that's the big one. Yeah, most definitely. And and it's one of those things where um, the case is ongoing in, in Las Vegas federal court uh, before Judge Richard Bulware. And it was filed in 2014. Here we are in 2020. And they are still contemplating whether the fighters deserve class action status. And that's the point of uh, the case where where we're at. The uh, obviously the UFC is seeking to uh, dismiss the case and, and deny class action status. Whereas the plaintiffs, the if the judge were to grant class action status, uh, you know they would represent almost over a thousand current and former UFC fighters. Wow. Yeah, and the, these fighters, they're, they're challenging the UFC from an antitrust level. So it's not like the typical antitrust 
complaint when we think of like the NFL and USFL is some sort of a rival league going after them. Uh, and that's not what's happening here. No, that's correct. There's actually yeah. the uh, the plaintiffs had two theories um, out from the outset. The first was from the perspective of a, a monopsony and a monopoly. So so basically mm. they had control over the the market marketplace and also the the mark market so that basically uh, what what was going on is they had locked in all of the fighters to exclusive long-term deals and bought up all the rivals so there were were no uh, those are the claims anyway they, that they, right. they purchased all the rivals so there effectively was nowhere else for a highly qualified MMA fighter to go even if they decided they didn't want to sign a long-term deal with the UFC uh, the, the, all the other avenues to go were foreclosed because the UFC owned them. yeah I mean that that seems pretty logical. It does seem <laughs> like if you're if you're an MMA fighter, there's not a lot of options. But one of the another issue that you raise that seems as though it's very related is what are these MMA fighters vis-a-vis -vis the UFC? Are they just independent contractors the way that boxers just contend for a title? Or given the way the UFC operates, are they actually employees of the UFC in the, in the way that wrestling uh, in, as an entertainment venture kind of treats it. Yeah, you know, it, it's really interesting because there is a kind of a back and forth related to MMA and boxing. And you, when if you were to get deep down into the argument of MMA versus boxing, and it, don't go to tw uh, Twitter for this because MMA and boxing fans are some of the most vicious around, <laughs> is that um, if you look at just generally the um, the purses and the payouts for the boxers, the uh, a lot of the higher-end boxers have relatively high purses, and that's based upon the fact that they have a bargaining leverage. Whereas if you look at the UFC, maybe you have your Conor McGregor, and then everyone else is at, at a set market rate where, where they, they don't have that leverage because uh, the UFC uh, has been able to, through uh, going back to the, the uh, antitrust lawsuit, has been able to through exclusive contracts to sell itself as a brand rather than market its individual pieces vis-a-vis -vis the MMA fighters. So what you, what you have here is that no one is bigger than the UFC brand. And that, that kind of helped it when when Endeavor purchased uh, the UFC for $4 billion a couple of years back. But to going back to your or original question about independent contractors versus employees, yeah, that, that is one of the issues that we, we talk about in the book. And uh, there is there was one MMA fighter, Leslie Smith, that attempted to challenge uh, that ruling with the NLRB. It was originally... Uh, uh, accepted by the NLRB as far as determining whether or not Zufa were wrongfully treating its employees, as, I mean, was wrongfully treating its independent contractors ah, okay. as employees. But for some reason, <laughs> hint, hint, the, uh, the NLRB stopped the process of, of, of that investigation and um, summarily was, uh, it was it was forwarded to the NLRB uh, appeals office in 
DC and it's summarily dismissed. So Smith's uh, complaint, you could say, was dismissed, even though the original uh, original opinion believed that they should do an investigation. Interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, we've been seeing this independent contractor versus employee thing all over the place. I mean, it's yeah. uh, it was a huge issue in California uh, with the Uber drivers and everything like that. But it is it's one that I wouldn't have even thought of MMA wise. Yeah. But it's true that like it, that is kind of how it it feels. So the UFC uh, fighters are deemed as independent contractors, and actually in any other fight promotion, they're deemed as independent contractors. However, um, as Smith tried to point out in her request to the NLRB, was that you know, they don't have the flexibility as independent contractors, meaning they can't go to a different organization if they're not getting any fights in the UFC, or they can't, you know, they are beholden to their contract by the UFC. Uh, And if uh, obviously the one, the one thing, the advantage of being an employee with the UFC is that they would be afforded a lot of benefits. They, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, full-time health insurance, um, vacation, you know, sick leave. Uh, you know, if you if you're a female fighter, you know, you could get maternity leave, things of that nature. Yeah. No, I mean, it really it, it does overlap with that monopsony claim uh, yeah. that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Well, to transition a little bit from their independent contractor employee employment status, so. One of the, and this is something that's come up in other forms of fighting, is, you know, we, we're all familiar with the role in boxing of promoters. And you, I actually was not, I'm one of those people who did not know much about this world. I actually didn't know anything about the Muhammad Ali Act before uh, getting through this. So can you walk us through what, what is that and how it relates to uh, the, where the MMA is going? Well, the Muhammad Ali Act uh, was enacted uh, as as a way to protect boxers from unsavory aspects of the boxing business, meaning managers and promoters. One of the overarching issues was the enactment of the Muhammad Ali Act was to prevent fighters from being taken advantage of. What had happened in the past was that managers would uh, act as promoters, meaning there would be a, a dual, uh, basically a conflict of interest, because if you manage a boxer, you're supposedly negotiating with a promoter for to make as much money as possible. Well, well, if you're, you are both manager and promoter, you're not really, <laughs> you're not really, at, one of those things is not like the other. You're not, you're, right. if you're a manager, you're not going to get you want to get the most money for the uh, for the athlete, but if you're a promoter, what you're trying to do is you're you're trying to to ensure that you can have uh, you know draw down the the salaries for these athletes. So so ba- basically, the Muhammad Ali Act was enacted to protect some of these things, and people could sue under the act to force. Promoters to uh, promoters and managers to comply. Um, one uh, and so one of the other things that that it happens is that it provides trans. It should provide transparency for boxers so they know at the outset how much they are making before um, fighting. Because what what, hap- what happened in the past is that boxers would would fight and then they they wouldn't realize how much they're getting because 
they don't see that a promoter took a cut and then the manager took a cut and the the regulatory agency takes a cut, those types of things they didn't see beforehand. Mm. So Congressman Mark Wayne Mullen, uh, which is a Republican uh, out of Oklahoma, had brought forward this bill to expand the Muhammad Ali Act to um, MMA. And that that happened. So that happened, I believe, in May of 2016. And a lot has happened since then. Um, I believe um, not to and you you might be able to to help me here. Um, Congressman Mullen was one of the Republicans that stormed the um, one of the tr- uh, one of the hearings there. Um, oh, what the, the the secure area? Yeah, the yeah. secure. Yes, yes. So um, it's interesting that he had brought forth this expansion of the Ali Act. Uh, simply because he's, uh, you know, he's a big supporter of President Trump. And, you know, President Trump is actually good friends with Dana White. I don't know. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Dana White actually was stumping for Trump in Colorado. Um, so, uh, you know, it, the fact that this act would, you know, see any light of day during this administration it would is, uh, you know, kind of crazy, yeah, kind of crazy, yeah, yeah. kind of crazy. <laughs> and, and so, anyway, so this was ha- this happened in 2016, but it, it would offer the same protections for MMA fighters, and you know, a lot of MMA fighters believe that you know, if they were to, were able to uh, see some of these protections, they could see the same protections as boxers. Now, there were two congressional hearings about it, with the UFC um, testifying at both, and also advocates for the Ali Act um, MMA fighter, I think Randy Couture testified at both. Um, there was also issues related to, you know, CTE, the, the health um, health portion of that, you know, with, with with the sport. I mean, obviously, it's inherent that concussions and head injuries uh, are prevalent. So that was one of the other things that, that came up in these hearings. But uh, to, just to give you an update on the, the uh, where the where the where the uh, law is, federal law is right now, or the the bill is, it's probably buried somewhere. Yeah. You know, you raised the concussions. Uh, and that's yep. obviously something that impacts uh, high contact sports. But another Another societal ill that, that seems to plague sports like this is dr- performance-enhancing drugs, uh, which is another topic that's that you give a whole a whole treatment to. So, what is going on when it comes to drugs and the MMA? The UFC has its own uh, anti-doping policy, and it's always evolving. I mean, I think they I think they have part they. I know they partnered with USADA and implementing a program. It's I say it's evolving because there have been issues related to testing, and then there's re- issues related to the adjudication of testing. So basically, uh, go in length about uh, t- tainted supplements uh, that fighters have. So you know, a, a fighter tests positive for uh, a banned substance, and they proclaim their innocence. Everyone thinks that hey, you know, this guy's this guy's on steroids. You know, that's he shouldn't be fighting. And then it comes out a year later that he just took a bad uh, supplement at GNC. Right. So the adjudication process is very strained because of the duration it takes. And, you know, there, obviously from USA's point of view, there's a cost element. There's also a testing element that, 
I'm not sure whether or not that, you know, they can shorten the length of the examination process. Um, mm. The issue is the public relations standpoint of, you know, hey, this fighter tested positive and everyone now thinks he's a, a big steroid user. Mm. Um, the UFC has, has made strides since I published the book. They made strides in enforcing a policy now where it's not announced until after the person serves the uh, suspension or, or whatnot. But the problem with that is you have a fighter that's really good and then he's taken a year vacation and you wonder why. <laughs> yeah. So, right, right. so, uh, you know, and then obviously the, the question is, um, Hey, has USADA flagged you for a, a ban, you know, a, a, a positive uh, test. And so, um, you see now, even with the, uh, um, reform policy of USADA, you see athletes actually self outing themselves as, uh, you know, I took a substance that was tainted and things of that nature. So uh, growing from that, um, you know, th there have been lawsuits related to people um, suing supplement companies because they, they had something that was basically not on their, uh, not on the back of the, uh, back of the label. And you had, they had to sit out because of some sort of random um, issue with the uh, making of the supplement. Mm. Yeah, and uh, so just to, yeah. and just to cover the, the rest of it, the, as far as the um, other promotions and, and fight leagues outside of UFC, there are state commissions that do like Nevada that do state drug testing. But aside from that, it's up to the promotion whether or not they they pay for things like drug testing. And uh, long story short, most of them don't. Yeah. I'm probably going back to that independent contractor employee sort of distinction. Yes. Uh, they can write it off. Yeah. No, the, um, and I, I, all, I, of course, remember the controversy about fight milk. The, uh, uh, it's always, do you, did you watch that? It's always sunny episode about the UFC. I, I did not. Yeah. They, not. um, yeah, there was an, it's always sunny in Philadelphia episode where they, where they were selling us a, a like energy drink kind of product made from uh -huh. crow's milk. Um, <laughs> Which uh, anyway, that uh, turned out to be filled with some performance enhancing substances and causing getting them in trouble. Yeah. Uh, but and and like Dana was in that episode and everything, so it was a, it was a whole to do. Uh, but anyway, transitioning from that to I guess the final big topic I wanted to talk about is the one that impacts me because I have to pass through New Jersey always on my way. But, you know, back and forth in New York. And when I do that, I get a pop-up that tells me I am now legally able to bet on my phone uh, whenever I'm across that border. So sports betting is, you know, now because of New Jersey's move is something that's moving around the country. And, and there's, especially with daily fantasy and stuff like that, but in New Jersey, just straight up sports betting. What's going on with MMA and betting? We're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I think that um, you'll see uh, a lot more of that occurring. I think that um, it's the UFC has partnered up with gaming establishments here in um, in America and European partners. It's a big piece of MMA. I mean, if you watch a UFC broadcast on ESPN or on the pay-per-views, you'll see them right before the fight starts. They'll tell tell you who the underdog is, who the uh, favorite is that sort of thing it's 
going to be a very lucrative thing um, for the UFC because of its, its sports betting partners. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things on the flip side of that is the issue of, well, hey, can fighters throw a fight? And there, there was an issue in Korea a couple of years ago where uh, a fighter, a UFC fighter, actually was indicted by uh, Korean prosecutors for uh, fixing a fight. And basically, he claims that he didn't want to go through with it. <laughs> so, oh. the, 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 so there is issues with potential fixing of fights. The UFC does monitor betting lines to, mm-hmm. uh, to see whether or not there's huge uh, fluctuations in the line to see if, you know, hey, is, is, if a line looks really kind of funny, do they think that um, someone, some, uh, some fighter is on the take? And, and the issue is that, you know, um, you could have two fighters just say, hey, you know, you know let's just uh, spar for the first two rounds and then the third round, let's just, let's just go for it and see who wins. And you could just bet the over as far as you know, how many rounds oh. is this fight going to go? <laughs> yeah. you, you could just bet the over and just say, hey, let's just hang around for the first two rounds. Not, we won't knock each other out. We won't submit each other. But in the third round, and then and then each fighter could say there was no fix because hey, I I didn't say I was going to lay down or I didn't say right. you know yeah that kind of thing. So I mean obviously in any sport you could have sort of short point shaving type issues, um, but for, uh, just giving you that MMA example, you know it's not just somebody taking a fall, uh, you know, if, if, taking a fall in the ring, just going down easy. It could be something to that effect where there's just the gentleman's agreement and then third round, you know, here we go. Oh, fascinating. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't have necessarily thought of the, uh, the over, uh, yeah. but it's true. Those, that kind of prop bet sort of situation is, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So, All right. Well, it looks like we're coming close to the end of our time here. So thank you for coming on the show again. Uh, I'm remind everybody we're talking to Jason Cruz. He's his book is mixed martial arts and the law, and he has goes into all of these topics and a few more, uh, and in much more detail. So check that out. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much, Joe. It's you could, you could buy it at, uh, on Amazon and the website is mmapayout.com. Oh right, MMA payout, which is uh, obviously where you've uh, where you have you still have writing there too. Right? Yeah, I've uh, yeah. I, I've been writing there since 2011. So yes, uh, yeah. visit that website as well for up to date stuff. Yeah, I got so fixated on the book, I forgot about oh where you can also just read him all the time. Oh, no, uh, that's okay. It's okay to be fixated on the book. Yeah, <laughs> I've been okay. for a couple years. Book first, then, then check him out there. All right. Well, thank you for joining and take care of yourself out in Seattle. Uh, we will try. Thanks a lot, Joe. And uh, you take care out, out there in New York, too. Thanks. We'll try. And thank you all for listening. If you aren't already subscribed, you should do that. You should give us reviews, uh, not just the stars. Write something. It helps out. Uh, also be listening to the other shows in the LTN network, as well as uh, the Jabot, which Catherine Rubino hosts uh, here at Above the Law. You should be reading Above the Law if you don't do that already. Uh, Add that along with MMA Payout. And you should be following, I'm on Twitter, at Joseph Patrice. And you should, uh, that's, I think that catches up on everything. And thank you to Logical for sponsoring the show. And with that, we'll talk to you next week. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, 
please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. You can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, ATLRedline.com, iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.